Welcome, everyone, to another installment of the BC Counselor's Legal Brief, the legal podcast that provides easy-to-understand information about estate and business planning to help you, your family, and your business. And now, the jovial gents of jurisprudence, Mike Betts and Spencer Chaffin. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this installment of the BC Counselor's Legal Brief the legal podcast providing easy-to-understand info to help you, your family, and your business. I'm Spencer Chafin, and I'm joined here by my partner, Mike Betts. Hi, Spencer. Hi, Mike. It's nice to see you again. It's always great to see you. Thank you. So, Mike, we've got a special one today. You know why? Why? I do actually know, but I'm going to pretend like I don't know. Why, Spencer? Because we've got a guest sitting right next to you on your left-hand side. Oh! (laughs) Surprise. So, we have got... Sean Corbett with True West Realty joining us today. Sean is a realtor here in Grapevine, but I do know that he's not just limited to Grapevine. His just offices right next to me. So he gets to hear me being loud and obnoxious and, you know, sometimes he'll bang on the wall and tell me to keep it down. Actually, yeah. that never happens. So Spencer's obnoxious, <laughs> isn't he? I am obnoxious when Mike's around. Yeah, you make me sign all these disclosures being next to you. That's exactly right. You know, I can't trust anyone. And, you know, Sean just shows up and wants to start videotaping this whole thing. And Mike blew yeah, up. Yeah, what was him. up with that, man? Come on. You didn't get our permission for our uh, likeness and all of that because we know you're going to make money off of us. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and, you know, for all of our listeners out there, Sean's our fourth listener. Yeah. Thank you for your uh, patronage. patronage. So for all of our listeners out there and our one listener in here. Yes. Because, uh, see, we got a yeah. listener with You're us. You're really going to enjoy this one, Sean. <laughs> you get to see the magic behind the scenes. And for all of the listeners out there, if any of you guys would like to come on, we're yeah, we love begging people to be a guest. No, we're not begging. There is a list. There's an interview there, process. There, there, you guys didn't make it that easy for me. I, I, I didn't. I didn't. Sean knocked on my door and was like, hey, you do podcasts, right? I was like, yeah. He's like, can I be on one? I go, okay. Sean, are you <laughs> regretting your decision? No. I like doing this stuff. I really do. You know, Pierre... You know, if we point to Pierre putting this all together. So Pierre is the one that uh, kind of planted some seeds a few years ago about the whole thing. And, you know, my thinking, the problem is, is that most people think you've got to have this total organized setup system, have plans, have an audience, have a direction where you want to go. And if you just jump on someone else's, which is what I did initially, it's just like, well, why not? I have a lot of things to share and I can help people in real estate. So why not? I'll do that. And then it just got comfortable. I mean, I just started having conversations about real estate and then it turned into, I don't have my own, but I kind of jump on others and it's become a pretty cool opportunity. So I do plan to build something with it. Awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I will say this. Spencer and I did this as really, truly an experiment. Well, same thing. Pierre planted a seed in us and was like, no, he was right. Y'all would be great with a podcast. It's like, no one wants to listen to us. He's like, yeah, they do. Just pay me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Oh, let's do and it. And then so Spencer was like, yeah, 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 that sounds good. And gay. Mike, what did Pierre say that this is what number of podcasts? Was it 29? Yeah. 29. 29 of these. And it's people are still listening. <laughs> I don't know about that. But, but what is nice is at least one listener wanted to come right. on our podcast to launch yeah. his podcast career. So please learn from the experts. Uh, and we, we, we have very many things to teach. We will expect royalties. Well, no, because you didn't get the freaking release to him in time. Uh, and now it's a waiver. I'm already late. on camera. Too late. Yeah, dude. I'm a failure. Yeah, Spencer. It's about to just be, be counselors. I'm, at law. I'm removing you. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm removing you from my trust. Yeah. I'll even we, tag you in all my podcasts. Yeah, that's good. What's he mean by tag? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you wouldn't know. I, they told me. I just, I get on and talk. I, <laughs> they tell me it does something. Right, yeah. So I'll have to ask my kids about how to do it. But if you want to know, talk to Pierre. There we go. Pierre. Yeah, but Pierre doesn't talk. Pierre doesn't Watch talk. This. Hey, Pierre, how's your day going? He's talking in your ear. We can't hear him. Well, just so everybody knows, so we have a camera. Actually, we have a camera here. Sean so, brought a yeah. camera. And so you get to see Pierre. He's, he's, he's at the end. Now the he's hiding. But conveniently, what you cannot see below the table, he's in these really short jorts. We talked about it in our last episode, like so tight, like you see everything, oh, ladies. God. It's disgusting. <laughs> Pierre, do you want to stand up and show the ladies your jorts? No. See, he won't do that. He's not going to share that. But I can see him. Okay, so, you, so you've heard our <laughs> podcast. Sean, you know, we deviate, but then we do always get back to topic. Absolutely. We always have nuggets. We have very important things to say. And we're super, we're stoked. The stoke is a huge in this room. Right? We're excited yeah. to have you on. And Spencer, you are our resident because we have had a guest or two on in the past. Yeah. Spencer is an interviewer. Like he Dan is Rather? the Diane Sawyer. Oh, Ooh, yeah. I like that. So Spencer, I'll let you jump in. Let's, yeah. let's uh, jump into the meat and the potatoes. Perfect. Softballs, that's what I like. Sean, mention your realtor. That's so just generic. Everybody does a little bit different things differently. Tell us a little bit more about what it is that you do, how you help your clients a little bit differently than other, because you've told me this many a times, and I'm just astounded at what you do differently, and I love it. So why don't you just give us a little quick brief synopsis of the basic stuff, and then we'll really get into what you and I talked about a little while ago on how you really can help clients. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. I oh, absolutely. It. So for my business, I was a realtor. I had my own brokerage for years, and then I did that for about 10 years or so. And then I was introduced to a company called eXp, and I was paying for all my expenses, and I was having high turnover, and I was managing a business. That opportunity came up, and it, it allowed me to let go of all broker responsibility and liability and focus on things that I'm really gifted and good at, which is training and coaching and solving problems. That's probably what my greatest strengths are for clients and other agents. You know, I went from having about 10 agents. Now I've got over 30. My liabilities are absolutely gone, you know, unless I personally screw something up. Even if my agents screw stuff up, I'm not even liable. So it's a pretty cool kind of scenario now for me. And I don't have to put any energy into any of those things anymore. So my focus moved from running my own brokerage. And then I got into flipping. I started flipping houses which is going to lead us into what you and I are going to be talking about. So I flipped about 100 homes here in Dallas-Fort Worth. It got me connected with good contractors, lines of credit, opportunities in houses. And then it turned into this kind of consultant gig where I have investors that come in and say, I want to flip house, right? I feel like if you had the opportunity to flip a house, would you flip a house? I Just mean, saying from a kind of high level, take a beater house, Put some money into it, sell it, make money. I'd like to do that, but I don't. Mike really prefers it from his seat of his couch and on HGTV. That's what he. I have prefers. a seat of the couch option. Yeah, for you, Mike, I really awesome. do, and we'll talk about that option. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Spence? Would you have any? In... I'm just saying from a high level. Actually, yes, because my dad's a home builder. Now I'm really good at holding a flashlight. Like I'm the flashlight guy, but to me, some of that's fun. Like I enjoy doing that. Not all of it. I know my limitations, but I'm asking me, in a generic fun. way yeah. because generally it's almost rhetorical. Everybody, especially I'd say men, I think this tends to be because men like to be builders yeah. and they see something that's terrible. They see the opportunity and what can make it beautiful and make money at the same time. It's just an easy field. Everybody seems to have some type of connection with. 
So I take people like you two that have never done it and say, hey, for $40,000, I can fully flip a home and you'll make roughly 10 to 15 every 90 to 120 days. So you invest 40, you get back 50 every 90 to 120 days, and I take care of everything. That's kind of my shtick, and that's kind of where I've kind of moved into. It's a very simple model. I take care of buying the home. I take care of the draws. I take care of the contractors. I take care of managing everything, and then even setting up utilities and ordering insurance. And when the house is done, I even stage it, and then I sell the property because I'm a, a realtor. Right. Yeah. So I do all of it. So my investor is hands-off, and I tell them up front, you need to be hands-off. I even have investors that are good and know how to do it. I say, I don't need your input. Right. If this is going to work, I got to do it my way. My relationships is actually what drives all this incredibly fast and efficient. So it's just something I moved into, but where it's kind of gotten really exciting. When I was an agent, when I was a broker owner, I sold probably about eight to 10 million a year as an individual broker owner. And then I moved in, when I moved over to eXp, my first year I did 17 million. And then two years ago, I did 32 million. And last year I did 38 million. So my volume is, is skyrocketed. That's my personal volume. So I do sell a lot of houses, but a lot of it has to do with this model too, because I can kind of work together. You know, I find these homes, I renovate the homes, I sell the homes, and that also gets contributed to my volume. It's about 120 houses last year is what I did last year. Just flipping? No. Oh, oh okay. Total. Okay. Yeah, okay. So I'd say half is probably a pretty good number, 60 okay. or so. And then the other half would be retail clients just wanting yeah, to just move, so, buy, yeah. all that okay. kind of stuff. But what it led me into is it, you know, it's kind of problem solving, right? So you guys are in a field where you have estate planning and you have people that pass away and they have to deal with the, their assets, right? And the number one, I feel like, and I'm in the cheap seats, I'm not doing what you guys do, but I feel like real estate's not something you really want to get that involved in, but it's a necessary evil and you've got to deal with it in order to be able to move forward. And I almost feel like a lot of times it's one of the more complicated things because there's equity positions in a property and you can't just cut the house in half or third. So now we've got to deal with it. I offer every possible solution anywhere in the U.S. on how to deal with that property. So is that your, your preference is to, I guess, create value in these properties for a liquidation event, a sale? Or do you also help? Maybe it's a family because I think you hit on like a very common thing that we see. Many, many, many folks might not have a lot of assets, but they do have a house. And so they're leaving kids, whether it's without a will, and then you're having to probate the darn, the darn thing, or they had a, a living trust or a transfer on death deed or something that the kids are getting a house. And you're right. There's multiple kids. Yeah, if there's no money, I can still advise them. I mean, there are other backup options. You can certainly HELOC. You could reverse mortgage. There's other options. If we have no money, I can still liquidate and cash out. Gotcha. I mean, I still have a solution for that. But I generally like to help people build an opportunity where they don't see it. What about like income generating, like rental, sure. that sort of thing? Is that a strategy like that them. you- I love rental for building personal wealth. There is nothing greater than rental property. I personally, I tell people in my podcast, the moment you sell, you stop making money. Right. Don't sell real estate. That's where you stop. You stop making money. Even on your own personal house, you lose the deductions, you lose all the opportunities. As soon as you sell, you stop making money. So I recommend everyone retain. That's a different scenario because I also tell people you need an exit strategy for real estate too. Building my own personal net worth, I can do it for 20, 30 years. And, you know, for example, three houses paid off by tenants in 30 years, I'm a millionaire, right? Yeah. I didn't put $1 in the house. They paid for it. Simple, simple way to, to build net worth. But I have to have an exit strategy. I don't want to leave my kids all these rental properties. They got to like subdivide and break up and I'll take that house. You take that house or 
put it all into a trust and then it takes five years to liquidate and get all this worked out. Then they can split it up. I think that's a mess. Yeah, I agree. I don't like it for that purpose. So if I've got like three siblings and they've got this house their mom had, they're like, well, we don't need it. We don't need the money. We'll just rent it out. That's fine. But we got to have some point, you know, you guys are going to get older. We need to have an exit on the property too. I can help with that, but I'm going to talk, talk about opportunity cost because it may not make sense to retain and hold it. It may be better for them to all sell it, take the equity and go buy their own personal rental properties. That makes a lot more sense to me. Because now you don't have three chiefs that you're dealing with. That's right. Everyone has an opinion on how to do it. What to rent for, what's their risk tolerance. Or I don't want to pay for granite. Well, granite's going to get us more money. Well, I don't have the money to do it, you know, and so- That's another reason. Real estate, I think, is a mess at this stage. I do. I just think you exit and straight, just straight up exit. And just start on your own If you've got the time time to build net worth on rental properties, then do it. But if you don't, I just don't like rental properties. So let me ask you this. Say that family of those three kids that inherited mom and dad's home, and you direct them to sell, can you then follow up with them and say, okay, whoever wants to follow with me- I'll help you go buy another home so you can start building your, like you were saying, your, sure. your wealth in regards to that. So you kind of help them go from one house to another. Yeah, one unique proposition that eXp offers me is we have like 90,000 agents. You know, there's no advertising for eXp, so the general public doesn't know them, but it's kind of like I'm connected at $85 a month with, you know, probably 60,000 in the US. I'm in every county, I'm in every state. And I can service any person anywhere because I have my own network built into it, you know, and I use other ways of doing it. But the objective is I can solve the problem. I can either find them a property or I can sell their property one way or another. I can connect and get them taken care of. And I do things kind of different. Like, so I'll connect with an agent, but I end up being the point of contact for all transactions because I know what they need to know to get where they want to get to. And I don't know if the agent that I'm partnering with can get them that. So what I'll do is I'll say, hey, run it through me. I'll take care of everything. I'll be the eyes, ears, everything. And I've done this several times. Like, for example, the Tacoma property, he had dementia. So he was removed from the home. And then the home was probably worth 150 as is. Because I don't know if you know much about dementia, but he left the house in a very poor condition. Yeah, and he right. was also a hoarder. So that okay. whole thing just kind of wrecked it. So we put 450 into this home, right? So it was a big project with getting permits and all kinds of stuff. But the family... They don't know anything about real estate. That's why they asked me. They don't know what to do with it. They don't buy rental properties. They don't move and sell. They just didn't know what to do. So I told them, this is the advice I would give them and they had the equity to do it. So that's how we did it. But you know, they came to me to solve the problem. So now we're selling it and the agent communicates everything to me. And then I tell them how we're going to get out of this deal, You know, how we're going to sell, what the price is going to be. I just take care of everything and they just say, okay, go do it. So we get to the point where I don't sign for it, but I hand it to them. So they don't have to stress about it. You know, we're supposed to be kind of neutral and say, hey, you can take this offer or take this offer. Okay. I'm going to weigh a lot of the meat and things that they're not going to know. I'm going to shift it out. I'm going to bring it back to them and say, this is the way we need to go. And most agents don't know how to kind of shift that. So they put it directly on the seller who has no idea how to do any of this. So I take all that stress out of it. Oh, that's awesome. And it doesn't cost them anything more because I'm going to split because I'm a commissioned agent. Yeah. I'm going to take a part of their commission for handling all of that. So it doesn't even cost my client anything. I'm just taking a part of what the commission that's already built in. So that's a way I can solve the problem without even charging them. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, my, I do charge for the service to come in and facilitate. It's a service charge or service fee. And it depends on, you know, what project I'm working on. You know, that's I build it into that. And I only 
I pay it out over time. And if it's a short project, I may just take it out of closing and funding when we sell the house. I can even do that too. Gotcha. We're going to take a short break, but we'll return with more legal info to help you, your family, and your business right here on the BC Counselor's Legal Brief. This episode of the BC Counselor's Legal Brief is brought to you by Alfredo Robledo Certified Public Accountant, PC. Alfredo has been licensed as a certified public accountant since 1984 and is located in Grapevine, Texas. Alfredo can help with many different tax matters, ranging from filing individual and business tax returns, trust and estate filings, as well as bookkeeping services for your business. You can contact Alfredo at 817-421-0720 or find him at grapevinecpa.com. and I'm almost a teenager. I have a real problem. My daddy and my grandfather love pie. For my daddy, it's apple. For my poppy, it's anything lemon. But they won't bring me any pie. I don't think that's fair. They always go to Judy Pie on Main Street in Grapevine, where Miss Judy and her bakers make 20 different kinds of pies and cinnamon rolls on the weekend. But I don't get any. They tell me I can have pie when I'm a teenager, like pie is only for grown-ups or something. Can someone please call my daddy and my poppy and tell them I need pie? In the meantime, you can go to JudyPie.com, or if you're in Grapevine, Texas, visit Judy Pie on Main Street. And if my daddy or my poppy are there, tell them that Kaya wants a piece of pie. And we're back, and you're listening to the BC Counselor's Legal Brief, the podcast providing legal info to help you, your family, and your business. Now, are you seeing this in the context, and I'm going to get very estate planning oriented, are you seeing on the back end or the front end? In other words, in Tacoma, I think this is the best thing. You do have a family that's addressing this issue at the front end. But do you typically see that case or are you seeing family members that whether it's through a trust or through probate or a will that they're getting a property like my dad? I could do either, but that's not, I'm looking for that audience, right? So mine has all been word of mouth. I can't like advertise this. You know, I don't know even exactly where I'm getting at or where I'm getting these people. They call me and say, hey, my mom, she's living by herself. My dad passed away and she can't drive and she needs to get out of this house. You know, I'm going to move her in with me, but my sister and brother won't help me with any of this. So what can we do? And then I advise them. I said, well, here's what I would do. And then I walked them through like an insurance claim and then into bidding the home and then to making a transition on doing a HELOC on his house to buy the house to build behind him. I set all this up for him. Like I solve problems. It's not just me flipping a house, you know? So it turned into now he has a place for his mom. Now I can take that house, renovate it because she has enough money to do it. And then we're going to sell it, make more money. So I'm solving a problem is really kind of where I'm at. Right. And so you've seen that at the front end. Are you getting yes. a lot of people on the back end? Again, so my back dad- back end is like me paying cash for a house. That's normally where they're at. Like, they're just like, I'm done with this house. I don't want to do with it. And yeah. they don't normally have money. Yeah. You know, if they don't have money, they can't really look at all their options. That's fine. I'll give you cash. No problem. And I've got four or five different ways to do that. I'm fine with that. But most of my renovation, full capacity business model where everybody wins- yeah. And it's not just one party taking a cash offer and taking minimum value. That is typically like you call it the front end, like they're getting okay. ahead of it. 
before you know probate and wills because yeah. you know, the first thing I start with I start with title. You know, if I don't have clear title, then I don't have an exit strategy yet. You can't sell it. That's right. I just connect with a title company and I get yeah. title. Like I know these things, yeah. you know, but the average person doesn't think these things. They'll spend yeah. a bunch of money in their house and realize and they've then, got outstanding leads. And then they go to sell it and then the title comes back of, you don't own it, so yeah. you can't sell it. And then the buyer may back out and stuff like that. It's not normally that way. It's normally- That's I, what I we see with probate. I'm going to say it differently. Like so. you don't have a clean way to sign. And you probably said it the right way. That's what we dealt with up yeah. there. Like he's got dementia. Yeah, so he can't sign. So we have to get a guardian or- POAs, title companies typically have to create those themselves because they're real specific about oh, it. Oh, yes, And they it's got to be real estate. I've learned <laughs> yeah. these things. So a general POA doesn't just mean you can do everything. Correct. Usually real estate and title companies get real funny about those things. Oh. That's why the trust really... So I don't want to say it's a struggle that Spencer and I've had with clients, but a lot of people are mystified by this thing called a trust. Like people think you have to be a millionaire, you have to have a lot of assets. The more we talk about this right now, it seems to me... Real estate, even a house, justifies the trust. Like, for example, you're talking about powers of attorney. They're moot if you've got a trust. Like, it's a moot point. Because those powers are built in there. It's built in there. It is a legal instrument, if you want to think about it, that owns I got a funny story with the trust. So there's a trust that owns that house in Arizona. And the trust was the parents of one of the couple, right? So it's the lady. She was the first trustee. And then he was the second trustee and she died. So then he became second trustee and he's the one that had dementia. <laughs> so we have a trust with specific line of where it goes, yeah. but the last person that was alive that had it, cause they didn't update it. So if you go back and listen to the previous episode, yeah, the episode need, before this one, listen, you need to listen that's why it was a poorly written trust because there was no backup provision of that situation that could have avoided. So they wrote it 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, those yeah. trusts, you got to update them as life changes and as laws change. That is another reason why people need to update their trust. But yeah, like conceptually from like a legal perspective, let's take those exact facts. Let's say you have a, I'm going to say a modern trust, but let's say it's a trust that our firm had done for that couple. Wife dies, husband is the successor trustee, but he becomes incapacitated. There's, even if we don't have a successor trustee, there is a courtless mechanism to just appoint another trustee seamless, inexpensively, without guardianship. And then the trust operates. And then the succession plan that you've come up with for the family can be implemented even before I'm going to call the surviving trustee who had dementia. I'm going to call him a grantor. That's the person who created the trust. Even though the grantor has not passed away yet, we can press forward with the exit strategy because I agree with you. I think that the so biggest you build in issue, an assigning ability into the trust to help. You, you, you oh, got yeah. it. So it gives a little bit more length of time to what it, the, how it can work. And it avoids, because this is what Spencer and I are in really in the business of doing for 99.9% of the Americans that, not everybody who owns real estate should be doing a trust. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to avoid court costs. Now, the court costs that we're concerned about, we talk about probate. So the common scenario that we see on the quote unquote back end is, Dad dies. The kids had a house that's languishing. Let's say it's an old, beat up home, a hoarder's home, I right? I think like 80%, 90%, it's got to be that. You yeah. got it. Because they right. lived there for 30 years. They're not right. going to update it. They're not going to update it. I do this all the time. So the question is how do we team up with somebody with your brain to try to help? At least what we can do is help them save that 
make it flexible and make it easier for you to be working with them. And I think everybody that comes in that meets with a Spencer that has a home, that is the question we need to add on our intake. What is your exit strategy for this home? I mean, it could be anyone. I don't care. As long as it's real estate, I can deal with it. Yeah. It doesn't, I mean, anything. But I always assume in what you're dealing with on trying to get people cleaned up and through all of this process is that the house is the biggest challenge. Now you're on the front end developing plans to prevent. Do you get much on the back end where now we've got to deal with it? Yeah, yeah. So that's the allure. Because you don't know the real estate's an issue until they now bring it up to you and say, hey, we've got these issues to work through. Yeah. I've got this house in Illinois. I've got this vacation home in Florida. What do we do? So to give you like kind of a snapshot into what that looks like, let's say we have a client that comes in and they've got a million dollar home. Let's say that's their biggest asset. We will absolutely sit down with them and we want to understand what are your assets? And so included in that is going to be real estate. I know you don't care about the other assets, but real estate is going to be... Is that not the biggest problem asset though? It usually is. No, in my opinion. For the majority of it, yes. For a number of reasons. Because they have the hardest exit strategy. Exactly. And so your big challenge on the house is the title. Yeah, title. That's exactly right. And so we sit down with the client and we'll say, okay, in this hypothetical, you have one house. This is what it is. What do you want to do with that house? So as a part of our estate planning, we're confronting, not as sophisticated as what you're confronting because you're then solving the problem, but we need to understand what do you want from point A, you have it, to point B. Inevitably, they want the kids. I don't to care have if titles clear or not. I would want to know day one. I mean, if there were opportunity, right? And they stress about it, and they want to know, you know, who could I talk to about it? I'd be fine taking it even with clouded title, because at some point we're going to well, resolve correct. it. And it would be nicer to know that the house is now ready to sell by title clearing time. Title though, in our case, is I'll say almost always clean. When I talk about title being off, it's more a concern of if you pass away your title is going to be in the name of your estate. And then you have to go through probate to get the sale approved. So if we're at the front end, we're going to tell a client, okay, we're going to create a trust for you. That trust is going to put the asset, we're going to put the asset in the name of that trust. And so you told us, we want this house to go to the kids. Well, now the trust has that and the trust will say, go to the kids. But then we try to stress to the clients, you want it in the trust because Then the trustee, it's very easy for the trustee to do whatever you need the trustee to do. So as we're talking about what you do and how it would tie into what we do, we would sit with the client. We would say, hey, client, you want to have a trust to put the home in the trust. That way, your trustee doesn't have to go through court and can seamlessly work with Sean to improve it in all of the smart ways to improve it. And to then ultimately sell it because these clients are not interested in the kids keeping the house. Even if they are, the kids don't want it. The kids do not want the house. So the kids want the ability to- I'd say 90% of Americans rather have the money than- 100%. They're not looking at it as an investment. They just want the money. Because a lot of them have their own houses already. So it's not a need for them. And so then that is the problem that you're confronting that we do see with clients. It's, well, what do we do? Our advice, as basic as it might be, well, you want the kids to get the money or the parents are like, we don't mind if they keep the house, but the kids do not want it. They want the money. Well, the trust gives you the mechanism to allow the trustee just sell it. And then the trustee will distribute the money according to it. Now, that is a huge gap though, because it's easy to say, well, your trustee will just sell it. Now, that's where you come in and you say, the trustee doesn't know 
how to sell it. Or they might go and sell it and in a cash buy scenario, leave tons of money on the table. Your approach is don't do that. So I do think from a estate planning perspective, Spencer, as we're talking about funding the trust and then ultimately liquidating the assets or transferring the assets according to how they're going to be transferred, I think that is an important conversation well, and honestly, to talk to somebody like you. Honestly, it makes sense that we've been missing that for the fact of what is an estate plan? An exit strategy. Yeah. An ed- exit strategy of moving your assets out of your name into who they're supposed to go to. And that should be a conversation that we should have of, okay, what have you thought about your house? Even though you may want the house to go to the kids, what about the money? Well, yeah. let's put some ideas in your mind of how that can be done in a better way. I'll uh, go talk to Sean. Let's talk about that off the air. But Spencer, I know we've been talking too much. Do you have any like important final questions yeah, I do. to wrap one things up? very important one. Sean, how do people get in contact with you? So like, obviously, all of our listeners and your listeners are going to hear this podcast. And if they've got questions, how do they get in contact with you? Yeah, anyone can call me. All my agents call me, past clients call me. My phone number, 214-228-0383. Very easy to find. If you look me up, just Google me, Sean, S-H-A-U-N-E, Corbett, C-O-R-B-E-T-T. And you can find my contact info. I've got some clean pages, easy to find me. I will say it is easy to find him. But that's because my office is yeah, right next, we're next door. <laughs> yeah, he just bangs on the wall. I do. No, awesome. I loved yeah. it. You guys, uh, this has been really fun. It has been. We, we I have a lot of guess. assumptions about a lot of this and I'm dealing with it. Like you said, I've never thought about on the front and back, but you're right. I deal with most of it on the front and then for flipping properties for alternative investors, yeah. it's all exclusively back. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Because they're right. probated, they're will, they're, yeah. hey, we just got to dump this property. And I hate that they're in that position. You know, I don't take... Joy knocking their head off on their equity, but, but that's the, the only is, way to make the model work. Is you're there to help them though. That's the great part is like a lot of these people don't even know where to go. that, I can yeah. give them really good solutions. Yeah. They don't have to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we know, Spencer, how we can improve ourselves meeting with clients because I think this yeah. was- This is a value add for you. Like oh, most absolutely. attorneys don't have in-house someone that can solve real estate anywhere in the US. Yeah. And I'm just telling you, I can, right? So most people don't, and it's just a necessary evil you gotta work You have to. Yeah. Now you've got a solution. And you know the premier estate planning attorney. You're looking at him, Spencer Chafin. The C++++ in BC Counselors. Are you talking about my grades again? (laughs) C's get degrees, what are you saying? C for continue, D gets degrees. Oh, is that what it is? Is that what it is? (laughs) Sean, thank you yeah, so much for coming on BC Counselor's Legal Brief. Our yeah, preeminent podcast. Yeah, pretty soon people are going to be listening to this like they listen to Joe Rogan. Yeah, Joe, Joe Rogan. Rogan. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. the new Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah. It's the Joe Rogan experience. But we, we're not allowed to smoke pot here. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but if we did up in Oklahoma, we did up in Oklahoma. It's different. We need to change Oklahoma. our location. Yeah, maybe, maybe we do pick up some alternative clients too. There you go, folks. If you are listening, reach out to Sean. You take us away, Spencer. All right. Thank you all, everybody, for joining us for another installment of the BC Counselor's Legal Brief. We look forward to you listening next month. And that brings us to the end of another show. For more information on today's topic or previous show topics, please visit our website at www.bccounselorsatlaw.com. While there, feel free to let us know what future show topics you'd like for us to cover. On behalf of Spencer, this is Mike, and we thank you for listening. 
And remember, it's always our goal to provide easy to understand legal info to help you, your family, and your business here on the BC Counselor's Legal Brief.